to um, be here with you today. Um, so we're continuing our journey, aren't we, through this series, God's Big Story, which is um, above my head there. And we're now into Mark's Gospel. And, and the passage we're going to be looking at today is uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 8. So if you do have a Bible, um, do turn there with me. And if you don't, um, I'll read them to you now. But this is a story of, of the first bit of story, really, of John the Baptist. And it's a great place for us to be, really, because we've been in Exodus, haven't we, until recently, where, of course, and that wonderful story in the Old Testament, which kind of almost sums up all that God, that God's, God's story, really, that people are enslaved, and that he comes and frees them, and then he delivers them through those waters, a bit like the baptism that we're going we're gonna to look at a bit in a minute, uh, and then into towards the promised land and that journey. So, We've had that story, we're now in Mark. Let me read to you verses 1 to 8, and they should appear on the screen. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The, your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's just pray quickly, shall we? Father, thank you for your word. Please speak to us, Lord. You know each individual here. You know what we need to hear from you. So come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Father God, through your spirit. Amen. So John the Baptist is an interesting character, isn't he? He's kind of between the end of the Old Testament and just before the ministry of Jesus, really, you've got this 400-year gap between the end of the Old Testament um, and when God speaks through Jesus and acts through Jesus. And John's there. And, and John's an interesting guy. And um, I just want to read you a quote from Josephus. You know Josephus. There's, he, Josephus was a Jewish historian who kind of um, defected to the Romans. He lived just after Jesus' time. And he writes, many of you probably would have heard what he wrote about Jesus, but he also wrote about loads of other characters in the New Testament. And he says this about John the Baptist. Now some of the Jews thought the destruction of Herod's army came from God, and that very justly, as a punishment of what he did against John that was called the Baptist. For Herod slew him, who was a good man, and commanded Jews to exercise virtue, both as to righteousness towards one another, and piety towards God, and so to come to baptism. And I guess I just read that to you just to say, look, John was a real character. Like There is evidence outside of the Bible for characters within the Bible and John is one of those. We've got really good um, we've got really good evidence and we can we can trust that what the, the the stories contained here are not made up stories, but these are actually events that happened. And I don't know where you're at. I know a lot of us are Christians, but some of us maybe are not would not be and you're still thinking through these things. I just say to you, these words are not a fairy tale. These words almost certainly are an accurate record of what happened. In this passage here, um, Tom Wright in his commentary says this about this, these words of, of, of John's in describing what's happening here. He says, you are sound asleep and dreaming when suddenly the door bursts open and a bright light shines full in your face. 
A voice breaking in on your dream world shouts, wake up, get ready, you'll be late. And without more ado, the speaker splashes your face with cold water to make the point. Time to stop dreaming and face the most important day of your life. That's the way Tom Wright describes the beginning of Mark's Gospel. And of course, John is speaking to the mainly Jewish people. It says crowds came out to him, all these different people. And he is getting them ready for what God is about to do. He's getting them ready for the Messiah. And just in passing, as we work through this passage, um, I've got four things I want to say to you today. And just the first one, as I say, just in passing, is what you notice in verses 2 and 3 is that Mark quotes a passage in the Old Testament here. And as I say, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but just to say the Old Testament matters. The Old Testament really matters. He quotes from um, Malachi and Isaiah. Um, and as you read through the Gospels, what you see is that Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament all the time. He's always saying things like God, um, or David by the Spirit, quoting a passage from the Psalms, or he's saying that God spoke. For Jesus, the Old Testament was God's word. For Jesus, the Old Testament had authority. It wasn't just made-up stories. It wasn't just myths. It wasn't just good advice. It was actually God's word. And I'd really encourage us, as followers of Jesus, if that was how Jesus viewed the Old Testament, as followers of Jesus, I really believe that's how we should view the Old Testament. That's how we view the Scriptures. It is God's word. If it mattered to Jesus, it matters to us. We don't discard it. We obviously we interpret it through the lens of Jesus. But if the Old Testament mattered to Jesus, it matters to us. And we mustn't discard it at all. The second thing to say is, here we go. These are our verses that we're going to focus on. This is the meat of the talk today. Um, let me just check what the time is. Okay. The meat of our talk today um, is about these two verses and there are about basically four key words, um, which I'm going to underline quickly here. Here you go. Does that work? There we go. Four key words in, the, in this passage, in these two verses. We've got baptism, we've got repentance, we've got forgiveness, and we've got sin. And um, I don't know why, but I'm going to focus on the two most unpopular ones, which are sin and repentance. So pray for me. Um, so... But the thing is, you know, some Christians, some churches, they talk about sin all the time. Like they're, like they're obsessed with sin. You can never get away from sin. They're always sin, sin, sin. And like, oh, come on, you're obsessed with it. And then some Christians and some churches, they never talk about it. It's like bonkers. You know, come on, it exists, doesn't it? Um, Barbara Brown Taylor, she writes this. She says, people want to hear about grace and forgiveness. Oh, it's hard to imagine what those words might mean apart from the sober reality of sin. So if it's okay, I'd like us to have a little look at sin and repentance today. Now, um, I don't know how you feel about sin. I know it's not a popular word, is it, sin? I don't know how you feel about it. But um, I think it's probably two different types of people I've met over the years. The first group is the majority. When I say met, I mean, obviously, us as a lot of us are Christians here. But in terms of people who would not call themselves Christians, the first group is much bigger than the second group. And they're the sort of people who would say sin, that's probably a bit of a medieval word. I don't really connect with it. I don't feel like a sinner. I mean, no, I'm not perfect, but I don't feel like a sinner. And it's just a bit irrelevant. But the second group of people are, I've met fewer types, but they are very aware of their brokenness. They're very aware. And I remember um, there was a guy who used to come to um, a church I used to um, be part of. And I used to give him a lift to church sometimes. And we met in the evenings. And I'd give him a lift. And he, oh, he was very, a broken man. He um, struggled with alcohol and drugs and a whole range of other things. Broken relationships with his family. He was not in a good way. And unfortunately, he's, he's no longer alive. That took its toll on his life. And he died a couple of years ago. And I remember driving along in a car. And I turned to him. And I said, you know, if I said to you that Jesus died on the cross 
for your sins. Would that make sense to you? Like, can you relate to that? And he said, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know I know. Forgiveness, I know I need forgiveness. I know I need forgiveness. And, you know, to people who recognize their need for forgiveness, there is no greater gift that God gives to us. So often, God's gift of forgiveness to so many people can seem irrelevant. They don't see themselves as needing it. And yet, whether we have gone through times that have really broken us and brought us to our knees and we're aware that we need grace, we need forgiveness, or whether it's actually we've encountered God and we're so aware of his love and beauty that that has brought us to a place um, of realising it. But forgiveness is such a gift. And that is what John is offering people here. Um, Do you know, before I got married, I thought I was a nice person. (laughs) And then I got married... And I realised I was a hag. Like, I just realised, can I use that word? I just realised I wasn't, an, I was a horrible person. <laughs> because, I, you know, somebody, and then I had children, and I realised I was even worse. Um, selfish, and angry, and uh, irritable, and, you know, because what happens when you get married, someone comes into your life closer than you've ever had, and they, you know, think, like, issues that are raised don't like, come up, and, and they get tested in ways you've never tested before, and you've suddenly realised who you really are. <laughs> and the a nice person you thought you were, uh, you suddenly realise you're not and you have to work through those things. And um, I think it can be a bit like that with sin sometimes. Actually, sometimes when we come close to God, um, we begin to see really what's really going on. Um, so what is sin? I think classically people would just sort of say it's doing things wrong, isn't it? And if you're a Christian, you might say it's breaking God's commandments or something like that. But I've just got three levels here of sin. So that's our repentance and sin. Here we go. Just, just, just quickly sort of try and understand what sin is. There's a personal element, isn't there? And I guess I see all of, in blue is kind of where I see this in the scriptures. So you've got the Ten Commandments. Like we break things. We do things wrong. We, we, our actions, our words, our thoughts, those things are, are not the best and they can be wrong on a personal level. But on a corporate level as well, like you think of different governments or businesses that build their business on the backs of the poor. Or, uh, and, and the Old Testament prophets are all about this, like, like calling people out for, for not paying people the right way or for doing things that are actually just oppressing people. Like sin can be on a corporate level as well as a personal level. But also in the Bible, I think there's an idea that sin is, is, a, is a power that separates us from God. That actually it's not just about the little things I may do or this company over here doing bad things. It's, it's, there's a sense that we're being separated from God. There's a power um, that, that has come in. Now, this all might be sounding a bit complicated. You might think, oh boy, this is a bit complicated now. Uh, uh, do you know what? Forget it. <laughs> I'm just going to not bother about sin. I'm just going to live however I want. It's absolutely fine. Um, but the problem with that is, even if you ignore it, sin is still real. You can't get away from it. I saw this on a blog recently. For those on the podcast, it says, it's an overgrown garden that says, just be yourself, do what comes naturally. Really? Replied the garden. <laughs> do you know, we can't, you can ignore it, you can say it doesn't exist, but it, look in the mirror, uh, look at the world. Like, things are wrong in our world. Things are wrong, you know, and the Bible suggests it's not just, our, as I say, it's not just the little things we do wrong on the government, but there is this sort of seismic thing that deep in our world, something has gone wrong. And no matter how much we try and patch it up, we cannot make it better ourselves. 
I saw a quote um, or tweet from Tim Keller this week, and it said this, Christianity is not about being nice, it's about being made new. Christianity is not just about being nice, it's about being made new. A question for you to think about now is, what, if I said to you, what's at the centre, or what, what is Christianity, or what is at the centre of Christianity, I don't know, what would you say? Now here's a little circle I use sometimes with people, and um, around it I've written things that people have said to me over the years. Now Christianity, let me read those. Christianity is, is being nice, or it's just all about love, or it's, it's just believing in God, it's going to church regularly, it's doing good, it's being born into a Christian country. Like, there's lots of things there. I mean, there's loads of other things, aren't there, that people would say. I say, what is Christianity? Or what is at the centre of Christianity? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not asking you to shout things out to me now. But I am asking you just to have a think about it. Like, what, what is at the heart of Christianity? What is Christianity? Because those answers aren't necessarily wrong or, or right. But I would say, hopefully, here it comes. There it goes. At the centre of Christianity, really, is this idea of being reconciled with God being reconciled to God, that sin has separated us and this world from God, and that Jesus has lived a sinless life, that God has placed all the world's sin upon Jesus, and as he dies, Jesus, God's good judgment is, 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 is upon him, and he bears the punishment for all of us, and as we put our trust in him, our sin dies on the cross. As Jesus dies, our sin dies as we put our trust in him and that forgiveness from God just comes flowing through and we are reconciled with God that God's great plan is to reconcile the world to himself and part of that big part of that is dealing with sin um but you know this isn't about feeling guilty do you know sometimes I think sometimes people have said to me I don't know whether I feel bad enough about my sin (laughs) I don't know whether I feel bad enough and I'm like God doesn't forgive you because you feel bad enough. He forgives you because Jesus has died for you. It is Christ's work that means God can forgive us, not about whether you feel bad enough or not. Be released from trying to egg up worse feelings about yourself. Goodness me, that's an awful thing to do. Be free from that. Know that God forgives you because of Jesus' work on the cross. And nothing to do with you and how you feel, whether you feel you feel guilty enough or anything. Be free from that. Be free from that. Okay. Well, I don't know what's going to happen when I click this next one. Um, we're going to do repentance now. So we've done sin. Repentance. Another pot word that we don't really use in normal life. Um, and yet, um, and a word that we could probably, I, I am anyway, a bit embarrassed of, actually. Because associated with it is kind of street preachers shouting repent from a megaphone, aren't they? Like, goodness me. I mean, oh, that's not my cup of tea at all. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, you know, that repent can be a word that we kind of stay away from, but it's a beautiful word. The word repentance is a beautiful word. And Jesus, if we were to carry on reading this passage, he uses it in verses 14 to 15. He says, um, repent for the kingdom of God has come near and believe the good news. Jesus picks up this idea of repentance in verses 14 and 15. And really, we don't need to shy away from this because if you go on Twitter... There's loads of calls on there to repent and believe. I mean, everywhere you go on social media, people are saying, Rah, don't do this. Believe this. Stop doing this. Stop, stop doing that. Believe that. I went on Twitter to try and find some examples, but I didn't think there were any actually appropriate. Uh, they're all a bit offensive um, to actually show on the screen today. I was going to take a screenshot of them, but I just thought, I'm not sure I really should do that. Um, 
But you know, on social media, there was this call from everybody. Not, people aren't Christians, they're not religious or anything, but they sense that things are not as they should be and they're calling people into a different way. So really, we don't need to be embarrassed about it because God's got a message. And it's not enough just to hear it. God calls us to respond. God calls us to respond. Now, who's going to come up next? Oh, there he is, John the Baptist. No, it's Russell Brand. Um, okay. Russell Brown's been saying some interesting things recently. I don't know whether you've been uh, following those. Here's one thing he said. It's a little bit of a long quote. Let me read it to you. I don't endorse everything he says, but let me read it to you nevertheless. We live in a culture that's continually making us frightened and stimulating unnecessary desire, and we don't have any tools to unravel it since institutions such as the church became secularized. We need God. However you term God, however you understand God, because materialism and rationalism will take you to these conclusions. I'm an individual, I'm going to die, I might as well fulfill myself. And that way of life doesn't work. That's not my words, it's just the world we live in. Really interesting, Russell Brand is not a Christian. Um, but he recognises that key word there, we need God. We need God, I don't know where, how, you're, how you're feeling today. We need God, because materialism and rationalism won't cut it. They will not fulfill our deepest desires. And it's so easy for God to get pushed off the table, isn't it? It's so easy. I realise that today's message, um, it may be not that, I don't know, jolly, but it's true, isn't it? Like it's so easy for God to get pushed off the table and for something else to replace him without us even realising it. These things can happen. And John's message was that return to God. Don't let these things grip you. You know, the, the, the Jewish people that he was talking to at the time, like they, some, they'd been a whole mixture of people, wouldn't they? Some of them had been following God probably as well as they thought they could. Some people knew they were kind of messing around. Some people were just, just there for a laugh. But, God, but John was saying, return. Return to God. There's a guy called Steve Addison, who you may or may not have heard of. He's like a, looks at, does a lot of stuff, studies mission. And he says this, that missionary movements... Begin with white hot faith. Missionary movements begin with white hot faith. And when I heard this, I began to think, wow, what does white hot faith look like? You know, whether it's um, letting go of comfort, whether it is pushing through difficulties, whether it's just a real passion for Jesus and the joy of knowing Jesus. And um, I don't know, I just thought, wow, am I. I don't think. I'm not sure I would describe my faith as white hot. In fact, to be honest, makes me feel even more exhausted than I already feel. Um, and I thought, well, do I know that many people who, who would describe their faith as white hot? And yet, there's something here, isn't there, that God would call us into. Because if we're going to see God move in this local area, I really believe he would stir us. He would stir us. If you want to see God break through, he would stir us um, to seek him. That our faith, our faith in him would, would move moving towards that more of a white hot place, actually. Do you know, if I asked a Buddhist monk or um, an, Olyth- an Olympic athlete, um, if I said to them, hey, I want to be like you, I want to be like you, I don't know what they'd say, um, but I know one thing they probably wouldn't say. They probably wouldn't say, just stay the same. <laughs> They probably say, well, it's going to take, you know, getting up in the morning and other things. But they wouldn't say, just stay, just stay as you are. You know, discipleship 
is about being formed into the image of Jesus. And um, I don't know, I just say, what would it take for God to break in and break you out of the way you're currently living at the moment, if that needs breaking? Um, what direction is God calling you to? Because repentance really is about changing your thinking and changing direction. I just wonder, what is God saying to you where you need to change direction? What needs to, what do you need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? Thirdly, and very quickly, last two points. Verse 7, um, John points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's waiting for Jesus. John's message is essentially wake up. And if it is that, where are we, where are we asleep? It's a question I ask myself. Like, where am I asleep in my walk with God? Have I let bitterness in? Have I let things in that have just um, got in the way? I watched a film recently, well, I'll say recently, a couple of months ago, called Silence, another cheery film. Um, and uh, it's about these Japanese um, Catholic monks. Well, they're not Japanese, actually. They come from Spain. And they get tortured. <laughs> you see what my house is like, eh? And um, Connie walked in, and she was like, what are you watching that film for? That is the most depressing thing ever. And she walked out again and uh, left me to watch this film about these monks being tortured. Um, but at the end of it... Oh, it's, it is an incredible film. And at the end of it, I just, you know, turned off the DVD player and I just thought, wow, these guys are given everything to follow Jesus. And what in, I wasn't depressed by it. What got stirred in me was I just, I just, I got down on my knees after that film and I just thought, I really, really want to follow Jesus. I really want to follow Jesus. Seeing these monks tortured hadn't put me off. It inspired me about their faith in Jesus. And uh, I get that it was a bit of a depressing film, but it inspired me. Um, and there's, for, for John, he's pointing to Jesus, and it, and it is all about Jesus. I was thought of that Matt Redman song, and it goes like this, doesn't it? I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. That sense, it's all about Jesus. And just the question about, is that, how, how, is it, how is it for you? And finally, John says in verse 8, I'm going to bap- Jesus is going to baptize you with water. Um, John baptizes you with water, but Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And there's this idea in the Old Testament that God wants to give us a new heart. And um, take out that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And that's what he wants to do. God wants to do this. It isn't us, as I say, it isn't us feeling bad about ourselves. It is, it is saying to God, look, I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I want you. I'm hungry and I need you. And if you feel like you need forgiveness today, well, forgiveness is available for you from God. Forgiveness is available to you. So I just really encourage you to ask him. Come to him, say, I'm hungry. I need you. Come and fill me. Okay, why don't the band um, come back up and um, I'll pray for us. And Why don't we stand? Is it all right to stand? Is that okay? I hope that was okay this morning. I know sometimes it's a bit serious, these um, 
subjects, but um, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your spirit. Lord, come and draw near. Come and draw near. Lord, for any that need to hear your word of encouragement and comfort and forgiveness, come. For those of us, God, that just need a bit of a shake, come, Holy Spirit, and shake us. Come, Holy Spirit, just encourage us to just ask God for what you believe you need. Just begin asking him for what you need. If you need to say to him, I'm hungry, God. I'm hungry, I need you.